Good morning, everyone. It's great to be back with you this morning, and it's wonderful to be able to gather around God's Word with you together and hear what God has to say to us this morning. Uh, I wonder if you've ever heard the story of the blind men and the elephants. It's quite a well-known story. It's certainly very old. It's at least 3,000 years old uh, as a story, so you might have heard of it. Uh, Some blind men hear the news that an elephant is arriving in their village. They've never heard, never seen what an elephant is like. They don't know what an elephant is like, so they decide they're going to go along and find out. But, But they're blind, so they can't see. So they're taken in turns to stretch out their hands and feel what the elephant is like. And the first man, he, he reaches out and he takes the elephant's trunk and he, and he says to the others, oh, I, I, I understand now, an elephant is like a thick snake. And the second man stretches out and finds the elephant's leg and says, oh, I, 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 I don't think you're quite right, elephant's a bit thicker than that, a bit wider, it's like a, it's like a tree trunk. And a third man stretches out in front of him and he, and he finds the elephant's side and he says, no, no, you, you've got it all wrong. An elephant's like a big leathery wall. And another man feels an elephant's ear, the other man an elephant's tail, and they begin to argue about what an elephant is like. Now, you might be aware that the the story isn't just about an elephant. It's really about God. You see, the elephant represents God, and the blind men represent different religions, or different kind of religious perspectives that people might have. And and the message of the story is a warning. It's, don't be so dogmatic, who really knows what God is like anyway? Your perspective is different from mine. Maybe everyone's a little bit right. Now, there are some serious problems with this story, aren't there? Um, for one, whoever's telling the story clearly thinks he's not as blind as everyone else. He can see the whole elephant. So maybe that's a bit patronizing. Um, I actually prefer the sequel to the story anyway, where um, some blind elephants go to find out what a man is like. Uh, and, and the first elephant uh, stretches out his foot to find out what the man is like and says, oh, I understand, a man is flat. And the others feel as well and they all agree. Um, uh, if, you, if you need to think about that one, I'll let you think about it in your own time. But there is a truth in the story, isn't there? There is a truth. Because how can a tiny human being with a tiny perspective possibly hope to know God? How can we possibly hope to reach out and understand what God is like to the infinite, eternal creator? Well, the truth really is, isn't it, that we can't. Not on our own. But last week, you began reading the the gospel, the, the, the account written by a guy called John, which made a staggering claim of good news. In the opening lines of John's Gospel, he begins it, and a breathtaking claim. Let's reread the first, uh, the first verses of John chapter 1 together, and then we'll carry on reading through to our passage this morning, which is verses 6 to 13. So let's, let's read John chapter 1. Let's pray just as we do. Father, we need your help this morning. We want to understand what it is that you have to say to us. And we want to be changed in the light of that. And so we need your spirit. We need your help now. So please would you come and would you uh, open our eyes to see your son in these pages. And would you, uh, would you cause our walk to be different as a result. Amen. Okay, we're going to read John chapter 1, uh, verse 1 to, verses, to, to verse 13. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now there's, there's three, uh, three points I have for us to think through this morning. I'll give them to you now. Uh, the witness to the light revealed. The scandal of the light rejected and the wonder of the light received. So let's get into it. Point one, uh, the witness to the light revealed. This is from verses six to nine. So as our ancient elephant story um, put it, and as, as John himself says further down in verse 18, no one has ever seen God. But here is the startling claim of John's gospel. Verse 9, here comes the light, the creator of all things, the bringer of life, the word. Here he comes. This is the staggering claim of John 1, is that we can know God, but not because we reach out to him, but because he has come to us. He has stepped into the world. And we know, don't we, from a little bit further down, verse 17, that this light, this word, is Jesus Christ. He has arrived to enlighten everyone, it says. That is to reveal something of the knowledge of God to us, all of us. Because he is God. He can reveal God to the world. But straight away, there's something a little bit strange here, isn't there? Uh, I don't know if you spotted it. So in verses 1 to 5... Uh, We're introduced to the Word, the light of life, the eternal creator. And then down in verse 9, we have the biggest event so far in the history of the universe, God himself becoming human. God incarnate. For want of a better word, God enfleshes himself. Can you possibly get your head around that reality in full? No, No, we can't. It's too big for us. But what happens between those verses? What happens between verse 5 and verse 9? How does John begin to tell us about this colossal truth? Verse 6, there was a man sent by God whose name was John. Uh, That's that's Jesus' cousin, by the way, John the Baptist, not John, Jesus' friend who's writing this account. Uh, John's a common name, after all. 
And that's almost, the, that's almost getting towards the point. No offense to anyone here called John, but doesn't this, doesn't this verse just seem a bit ordinary compared to what's around it? A little bit small fry. A man called John. So as Willie pointed out last week, we've been hearing about the word, the ultimate expression of God in the first few verses. And yet here we have just a witness. Why doesn't John launch into explaining this just with verse 9? And then kind of come back to John the Baptist later. Maybe kind of move these verses down to verse uh, 19 or something. And if I'm honest, that's a little bit what I was tempted to do when preparing the sermon. Just kind of come back to John the Baptist at the end. Deal with the, with the big stuff first. But John writing this gospel in the spirit of God put these verses here, didn't he? And so it's not up to us to argue. Uh, it's up to us to ask why. What is God trying to tell us with that? And that attitude's crucial, isn't it, when we come to the Bible uh, take seriously what God says. I think the main thing to say uh, about these verses is this. That God has chosen to reveal his light to the world, first and foremost, through his word being proclaimed. I'll say that again. God has chosen to reveal his light to the world, first and foremost, through his word being proclaimed. Even verse 1 shows that, doesn't it? Uh, in one sense, that God the Son is the Word of God. He is God's message. You cannot separate God from his message. The same is still true. God has chosen to be personally present by his Spirit through his Word. So whenever his Word is proclaimed, preached, declared, God speaks. He reveals himself to us. And so he sent John the Baptist, ordinary-looking, camel-skin-wearing, locust-eating, desert-dwelling John the Baptist, sent to herald the arrival of the light. And let me just say as a kind of side point, uh, if, if this is the way God normally works in his world, then we can't just kind of nod sagely and agree with that point. Because it asks us a question. Will this be you? Will you let God send you to declare his message to the world? Now in one sense it must be you, mustn't it? If you are one of God's people, then it must be you. You are a witness. You are a herald. A messenger. To your children. To your work colleagues. To your family. To your friends to your brothers and sisters around you right now in this church. You are, just as you are called to humbly listen to God's words spoken to you faithfully by others, you are called to speak it in love to one another. If you are a Christian, then you are called today to bear witness to the light. But, but even more than that as well, have you ever considered if you have a more specific part to play? Romans 10 says, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? uh, The word must be proclaimed, so that all might believe. That's verse 7 of our passage. 
So there's ways that you can be involved in that in this church community in Aberdeen. But what if Aberdeen isn't even always where, uh, where God wants you? What if you were sent somewhere far away to another place, to another culture, to another language, to speak of the light to people who had never heard? Well, the world needs such people, doesn't it? Would you humbly be open to that call on your life? I'll leave you to think about that. Anyway, so John arrives to bear witness to the light revealed. That's point one. Point two, the scandal of the light rejected. The scandal of the light rejected. Let's reread uh, to refresh our minds. Let's reread verses 10 and 11. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So the word, the creator of all things, the light of life, steps into the world that he has made. He walks around with the people he has crafted, created. And yet his own people, the ones he had made, did not know him. They did not receive him. And when John writes that, it is supposed to be, when we read it, absolutely scandalous. So the very air they breathe, the very gravity that holds them to the floor, the the blood that flows around their bodies, the, the veins and arteries that holds it, the sun that warms them continually, all of it is made by him. And all of it, every second of every day, is sustained by him continually. And yet when he comes to them, they do not receive him. They ignore him. They reject him. That's outrageous. So why does that happen? Why why isn't he received? Well, John expands on it in in a few places, in in other places that he writes. So in his first letter, for example, 1 John 1, verse 11, he writes that he who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So that's true. Jesus Christ, the true light, came into the world, but the people living in darkness were too blinded to see his glory. But there's more even than that. In John's Gospel, a couple of pages on from our passage this morning, chapter 3, verse 19, uh, Jesus himself says, the light has come into the world, there's that phrase again, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. This is important. Humanity isn't just blind. Humanity is willfully blind because we have loved the darkness. You see, it's a matter of desire. The true light came to his people, but his people did not desire to receive him. So we thought at the beginning about the story of, uh, of the blind men and the elephant. 
Well, as it happens, age isn't always proof of quality. Um, we, we've seen some of, the, some of the philosophical problems with this story, but I think there's more. No disrespect intended to any 3,000-year-old Buddhist storytellers, but I think it's, I think it's rubbish. Um, beyond, that, beyond the philosophical problems, it's terrible at representing our situation and our relationship with God. If you'll allow me to retell it a little bit. So, so here we have uh, some, some men who hear that uh, there's an elephant coming to their town. But they don't want to know anything about an elephant. Elephant, says the first man. That doesn't sound like it's going to be worth our time. No, says the second man. We've got better things to do. Third man says, switch the TOV on, would you? See if there's any reruns of Top Gear or Come Dine With Me or something. But then suddenly the elephant comes crashing through the side of their room, walks over to the center next to the television, stands in front of all of them and says to the whole group, here I am. I've come to show you what an elephant is like. I've come to show you. Here I am. And the men reach out and they grab blindfolds They stick their fingers in their ears and they shout, la, 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 as loudly as they can. That is the relationship that humanity has with the light. It's not just about knowledge. It's not just about opportunity. The light has been revealed in all of his glory and yet we willfully ignore him. We live our lives for petty pleasures, for small-minded ambitions, when the creator and lover of our souls wants us to know him so much that he has stepped into this world to reveal his character to us. Now, you may be sat here this morning thinking, hang on, hang on a minute, that's not very fair. Why are you including, why are you including us in this? That was 2,000 years ago, right? That, that's what it says, verse 11. The world did not receive him. Well, yeah, I, I am including us in this. So you see, I, I used to live to please others. I just wanted to be told that I'd, uh, I'd done something well. I wanted others to think well of me. I wanted to receive their praise. I didn't have any urgency to receive Christ. I thought that if I just received, uh, if I just impressed my friends, my family, if they were pleased with me, then everything would be enough. That would be fine. And even now, as I daily seek Jesus, as I ask him to change me, I still feel the old Tim trying to re-emerge. I still feel that call back to darkness. I still feel those temptations in various ways, day to day. Temptations to try and impress others by the way I talk or act. Temptations just to try to win arguments rather than to love people. Temptations to feel insecure or anxious about what other people are thinking. And you can be sure that if it wasn't for God, I would fall right back into that. What is that for you? In what ways today have you already been ignoring the true light that has come to us? In what ways have you preferred the dark? That's us, me and you. 
We have all rejected the true light and preferred the dark. And as Paul says in Romans 1, we are without excuse for that. Because the light of life is always shining. Uh, Psalm 89 compares God's promise and offer to know us with the permanence of the sun in the sky. The sun continually shines, doesn't it, on the face of planet Earth. And the psalm also speaks of the moon as a faithful witness to that. Because if you think of astronomy, even when the world turns its face away from the sun, that face of of the world is still lit, isn't it, by the glowing moon. The moon is not the true light. It simply reflects the light of the sun to the world. That was the role of John the Baptist at the time of Christ. And it's the role of the church today. Faithfully reflecting the light of Christ to the world, which loves the darkness. The light is so generous to us that that he even gives us witnesses. And yet we, the human race, have rejected him. That's our second point this morning. The scandal of the light rejected. But there is hope. Our third point this morning, the wonder of the light received. Let's let's, uh, read verses 12 and 13 again of John chapter 1. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So our darkness is a constant theme in John's Gospel. Uh, For example, in chapter 3, Jesus says to a man called Nicodemus that he cannot receive the light as he is. Nicodemus, you're blind and helpless, Jesus tells him. And then in John 5, Jesus says that we're a bit like dead people without him, spiritually. We need his help. More than that, dead people can't give themselves life, can they? They can't do anything. And yet in these verses we have hope, don't we? Look closely at verse 12. We are promised new life. We're offered new birth. The chance to be children of God. Brought into the family of God. United to him in love. Brought into his very presence as a beloved child of God. That's what it's talking about, isn't it? Adoption. The eternal one. The one who made everything you can see. The one who upholds the world. The one who weaves history itself together. We're offered adoption by this God. That's what John is saying. That's what God is telling us this morning. Adopted by a father whose perfect patience never takes a day off. Whose perfect love never changes. Whose perfect commitment to you and your good is forever faithful. Think on that. So how? How does this happen? Well, verse 13, it's not of blood. 
So it's not just by being a physical uh, genetic descendant of Abraham or of Christian parents or whoever. And it's not by the will of the flesh either, says John. Trying hard, being good, they won't help you. And it's not by the will of a man. It's not by the benefits of your birth or just because you will it, because you choose it. None of these things will make you a child of God. Only God can do that. And do you know that that's, that's wonderful? Because it means that if you have a day off in your faithfulness, or if your desire for God slips for a while, or even if for some reason your earthly identity is shaken to its core in every way, then your identity as God's child is dependent on his faithfulness alone, not yours. And that never changes, his faithfulness. I think all of us would do well to think on that this morning. And last of all, how do we receive it? How do we receive this adoption? Well, verse 12, believe in Jesus' name. That's it, just believe. But what do we mean by believe? You know, an atheist scholar of the first century might believe in Jesus in that she acknowledges that he existed or exists. Or a Muslim believes in Jesus in that he loves him as a prophet. Or a Jehovah's Witness just around the corner this morning uh, believes in Jesus and that he calls him the Messiah. But when John uh, says believe, he means more than any of those things. To believe in Jesus means to trust him totally with your everything. Uh, just to be confusing, let me throw in the, the story of a third John this morning. John G. Patton was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands about 100 years or so ago. And, and one of the things he wanted to do was translate the New Testament into the native language of the islands so that the, uh, so the natives could understand and learn about Jesus for themselves. But he ran into a problem. And that problem was that uh, in the native language there was no word for belief or, or faith or trust. Now, I, I don't know why that was. Maybe because they were all cannibals. None of them had much reason to trust anyone else. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, one day, John Patton and his indigenous servant were nearing the end of a long, tiring journey under the hot sun, and they were chatting away in the native language. And as they arrived home, uh, John, John Patton's servant collapsed into a chair when he got back, and he just said, oh, how good it feels to lean the whole weight of myself in this chair. And John Patton suddenly jumped. What, what was that you just said? And the servant looked a bit confused, but he said it again. How good it feels to lean my whole weight upon this chair. And John G. Patton had his word. He had his native word for belief. And that means if you pick up a copy of, of his translated New Testament today, and you get to John 1 verse 12, you will read something like this. But to all who did receive him, who lent their whole weight on his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God. Hear this today. On your own, you are spiritually dead and blind. Rejecting the light. Loving the dark. Without God's work in our hearts, Jesus is not precious to us as our everything. So this is what you must do. You must believe in the name of Jesus. Lean your whole weight on him and him alone. Trust him personally to forgive you of your sin and to change you. Don't come trying to stand up on your own. Don't come trying to impress God or impress anyone else. Confess your weakness to him. Confess your darkness to him. Confess your failure to him. And be sure that God will make you his child. That's, whole, that's John's whole goal in this book, isn't it? Uh, John twenty thirty one. he has written these things so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And if you've been a believer for some time, then, then this doesn't change. Adoption isn't something we're given as a loan to earn back later. No, when, when like me, you feel the old you trying to re-emerge, trying to push back out, then come again, confess again, and go on believing, go on trusting, go on leaning your whole weight on Jesus and rejoice that that is enough. You are adopted. And that's our third point this morning, the wonder of the light received. Have you received this as wonderful to you? Let's pray, will we? Father God, we, we come acknowledging our darkness, our love of the darkness by ourselves. That you sent your son Jesus to step into a world that did not receive him. And we acknowledge and we, we repent of that scandal in our hearts. But thank you so much for your, for your love, for your commitment to us, your people. Please, by your spirit, would you change us? Would you, would you help us to fix our eyes on Christ? Would you help us to lean our whole weight on him and not come by any other means? Thank you so much for, for the gospel, the good news. Help us to walk in light of it. And thank you for uh, your adoption of us. Amen.